You're listening to Trek FM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we look forward to seeing you there. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. There was a little bar in Mill Valley where all the Starfleet trainees used to go. The 602 Club. You know it. <laughs> I was there more times than I can remember. Your turn, Lance Armstrong. Uh, Jack Ryan. I work Yemen. I've been monitoring SWIFT network transactions in and around Aden. And? And, um, well, actually, in the last few months, I have red flagged several of these transactions as potentially suspicious. Suspicious? How so? It's anomalous to see large, one-off SWIFT transactions to individuals, especially in Yemen. And normal SWIFT transactions usually occur in patterns. What's your concern? What's that issue? Um, it is my theory that the individual behind these transactions could be a high-level target. Hmm. Which one? Well, now that I'm not <laughs> necessarily clear. Who is he? I believe his name is Suleiman. It means man of peace. He just popped up on CTC Yemen's radar. The RH assets have mentioned him as well, so. That's it? They heard a name. What else have they said? It's not about what they're saying, sir. It's about how they're saying it. I mean, they're talking about this guy with real reverence. And I'm not talking sectarianism. I mean, he appeals to Shia and Sunni. Wow. A brand new Bin Laden on my first day. Who would have thunk it? <laughs> So how come you're the only one that knows about this mystery man? Well, one of the difficulties in cobbling together intel is dealing with two databases that aren't meant to talk to one another. Mm -hmm. That's why I've actually written a custom SQL for Next. Welcome back to the 602 Club Trek FM's General Geek Show, our local watering hole where we get together with friends of the network and just sit around and talk about something other than Star Trek. I'm so excited to be here tonight. We have had a lot of shows to cover uh, this year. We've had a lot of good shows that we've covered, um, you know, recently doing Man in the High Castle. And tonight we're going to be covering uh, Amazon series Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan. That's right, Jack is back uh, if you've seen all those other movies and uh i'm i'm excited that uh brandy is back yay it's been a minute <laughs> it has it has and it's it's good to have you back you know i, I knew you were excited to talk about this one too um and it was hard when it dropped that i wasn't able to just like jump in and watch it i had to wait so that i could still remember all the storylines well and, and everything so yeah just watched it last week and and finished it up so um yeah i'm excited to dive into this one yes me too but before we do that just a quick reminder of course you can find us all over the place everywhere you can get your podcasts you can find track fm and the 602 club you know one of the best places to go is over there on itunes uh, at itunes.com slash trek fm we you can find all of the different podcasts that we do here through trek fm and of course the 602 club while you're over there please do help out the network by giving all of the shows star ratings and reviews you know uh, since you're listening to the 602 club i'd specifically ask you to give us star ratings and reviews help people find the show help it grow help People know what you think of the show so that when they see it and they see those star ratings, uh, they want to listen. So uh, definitely hit us up over there. Um, of course, you can find us on Twitter at TrekFM, Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM. We're also on Facebook as a discussion group. We've got our listeners-only discussion group called the Babel Conference. It is a closed group, so you'll have to ask to be let in. Just type Babel into the search field, and one of us will let you in. Or if you happen to be on the website at trek.fm, any of the show pages, there's a button that says Discussion, and that would bring you over there as well. 
And last but not least, a great way to contact us is through trek.fm slash contact. That's where you can choose a show and you can send an email to any of the shows. But um, if you want to send an email to the 602 Club, love getting emails. Make sure you do that. Um, And then uh, whoever I'm hosting with that week can uh, converse with you as well. So, yeah, I, I said it earlier, Brainy, but Jack's back. And Jack Ryan is a character that has existed for a long time in media. Obviously, Tom Clancy's books, first and foremost. Uh, I believe, really, honestly, the only one I've read, and this was years and years and years ago, was uh, The Hunt for October. But, of course, very popular character. He's been played by multiple people now. Um, Alec Baldwin. Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford. And, of course, uh, Chris Pine and Ben Affleck have all played this character. And so um, I, I wanted to ask you, is this a character that you've been following for a long time? Is he, uh, and, and what did you, have you seen all the previous films that they've done of him? Uh, okay, well, I'll start with the first part of that question. Um, my mother was the one who got me into Tom Clancy. And the first one that I actually read was not The Hunt for Red October, but it was Clear and Present Danger. And uh, so that was about 30 years ago. Yeah. Oh, wow. These these books have been out a long time. 30 years ago. How did I get old? (laughs) And uh, it was one of those things where, I mean, those were thick books. They were like five, six hundred pages long. And I would tear through them in like a week because I had no social life. Oh so God. that did help. But yeah, uh, yeah. But See, yeah sometimes just, it helps to be a nerd. It does. It does. I got so much reading done. So much reading. <laughs> and uh, and I was just immediately captivated. And so when the movie, The Hunt for Red October, came out, my mom and I went to see that together. It was very exciting. And I have seen all of the movies with the exception of Shadow Recruit. I have had it available to me at certain points and I just never quite got around to it, even though Mm. I like Jack Ryan, I like Chris Pine. I wanted to give it a go and see what I thought, but I just had never gotten around to that one, but I've seen all the others. Yeah. I can understand, you know, um, I have, I have seen all the films, uh, and you know, it's been a long time since I've seen the Harrison Ford, uh, Patriot games in clear and present danger. I remember Patriot games being better uh, Mm. than clear and present danger. It, Mm -hmm. it, It actually felt like, the order of films was the order of how good they were. So they just progressively kind of got not as good. I don't want to say worse, but they just, the, the quality, you know, I, I would, the Harrison Ford ones I really enjoyed. You know, I, I also remember, uh, you know, when they were coming out back in uh, 87 and 89, you know, for me, that was also a big deal because, you know, I was at the age where, oh, I'm getting to watch a movie that's like PG-13 or maybe R, you know, so like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, I'm I'm that age at that point where that's still a big deal. Um, and, you know, I, the, the sum of all fears wasn't great and Shadow Recruit isn't great, which was disappointing because one, again, I love Chris Pine and I love, I mean, I love Ben Affleck too. I think he's a great actor as well. Just neither of those films really hit it off for me. Um, so when they decided that they were going to do this show and it's John Krasinski, I found myself excited. Where were you? I was super excited. I do have to explain that I do not have any experience whatsoever with the American version of The Office. So I have no preconceived notions about really? him as Jim The and, and actually want to go back and watch The Office now because of him. But I love John Krasinski. And I thought, if there's anyone who can balance being intelligent, being kind, and being adorkable, it's John Krasinski. <laughs> and also being a bad A, you know? So yeah, I was yeah. super, super excited when I so, heard it was So him. what have you, like, what is it that you've seen him in that kind of gave you that opinion if you haven't seen The Office? You know, it's not even what I have seen him in. It's been his appearance on on talk shows. <laughs> I know that oh, sounds yeah. good. You know, lip singing with uh, you know Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then and whenever he's on Late Show with Stephen Colbert, it's always extremely entertaining. Uh, the last time he was on, which was right around the time that uh, Jack Ryan dropped, uh, they they orchestrated an entire fight 
that went up onto the roof and ended with Stephen dying as he was tossed off the building. You know, special effects. But I just, oh, yeah. I just really like the guy, and mm-hmm. it just made me want to see other things that he was in. But just, just seeing him and seeing interviews of him and how passionate he is about his work and. You know, I still haven't seen The Quiet Place because I'm just, mm. it's going to be so hard on it's me. It's so good. <laughs> I know it is. I know it is. It's so just going to be so hard on me. So, but. Uh, Are you not a horror fan either? Oh, I am a big horror fan. It's oh, okay. just, okay. it's just, mm, it's just different. I am. Ex- ten, I'm a, yeah. 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 It's when it's really good horror, it's harder for me. <laughs> I mm. love it. But it's also just I know I, I understand. Intense. I mean, I wasn't even I'm not even a horror fan. And I saw that movie and, um, you know, I own it now. And I would say it's probably, you know, I guess you could sit, consider the alien films to be horror movies. But, eh. you know, this is the first know, one. Yes. The, yeah. This is, well, yeah. <laughs> the so, second one was more anyway, action, but still this, that's true in the still in the realm of horror. For me, you know, I. I have obviously, I'd seen him in the office. Um, that's where I first got to meet John Krasinski. Um, you know, fell in love with him when he did uh, lip singing to Teenage Dream with Jimmy Fallon. Um, in fact, I can't <laughs> hear that song without thinking of John Krasinski. Yep. I, I don't even think about Katy Perry anymore. I always think of John Krasinski. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a little bit of a man crush on him. And then, of course, uh, so I'm in a quiet place. But the thing that made me excited to see him in this role is that he, he was in 13 hours. Yes, which I have not seen. So seeing him in that role, seeing that he could play this type of character, which obviously very serious uh, and obviously somebody military capable, uh, a military man. You, you really I, I mean, he did such a good job. In that, and that movie is fantastic. If, if anyone hasn't seen it, I highly recommend it. Um, it may be one of Michael Bay's best movies uh, because it's so non Michael Bay ish. <laughs> I was just uh, going to say, I didn't know he had yeah, best movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's phenomenal. So, I mean, I again, I highly recommend it. I've, I've seen it a few times and it is it is a phenomenal film. I'll watch it for and him. So, Krasinski. Yeah, it is. I mean, um, and, you know, the guys who lived through that experience um, were uh, a big part of making that film. They, they you know, helped uh, with the, the story and everything and making it feel as real as possible. And it definitely does. And um, uh, it's interesting because that movie has a lot of similarities to what they do in this show with... Um, some of the the scenes specifically um there's the scene uh where the the base that they're at the black site gets attacked and there's a lot of similarities to that to some things that you see in you know um 13 hours so just some of the same kind of action and and intensity and so anyway all that to say is i was going into this being very excited that jack was back and hoping that it would kind of bring the character back to life and you know i kept seeing the thing at the movies where they do the the pre-credit stuff mm. and one of the commercials they kept playing was for this and john krasinski was saying you know we're doing a tv show because you really get to get into the character more instead of just in a movie and that idea excited me with a limited series you know from amazon where each season would hopefully you know it's only 10 episodes and it's a cohesive arc hopefully so that's what i was really wanting going in so talking about the cast i just kind of wondered for you just our main characters um how they ended up working so we're both excited to see john krasinski in this role was he what you hoped he would be, that kind of heroic and vulnerable character? Yes, he absolutely was. And I have to say this because there seems to be this misconception that people who are good at comedy are not good at drama. No, it's the other way around. Comedy is hard. Drama is easy. Drama, almost any actor can do drama. 99.9% of dramatic actors cannot effectively do comedy. It is way, way harder. And so when people are surprised that a comedic actor is so good dramatically, I just want to pull my hair out because I'm like, no, you don't understand. Comedy comes from a pace, a place of pain. Comedy begins in pain. 
And so being able to communicate that through comedy is way, way more intense and takes way more talent. And it's not really something you can teach. But drama? Drama's drama. Anyone pretty much can do drama, unless you're just not a good actor at all. So I just wanted to, to clear that up because I'm tired of people being surprised at comedic actors being good at drama. Ugh. You should be more surprised. Well, so, yeah. And I mean, for me, I was, I was not surprised to see him be able to pull out this role because I have seen him in other things. But yeah. two, you know, there were plenty of moments in said office, you know, where he is having to do something that's much more dramatic because that show has those moments. Yeah. So, you know, um, and I, I think the thing about him is that, and I, I think that, you know, there's so much of this film and I was, I was loving thinking back, especially to, uh, the hunt for October and, you know, meeting Greer in that episode and their best friends, obviously there, uh, at that point and, uh, all these other people that we meet along the way, um, where this is just the beginning for this character, yeah. which was a lot of fun to kind of go back to. Um, but, you know, I, I remember Alec Baldwin uh, being very similar in the role. You know, like he's this guy who's he's just immediately likable, you know? Yes. And he is kind of adorkable in the sense, like, he's the numbers guy. He... he um, he he's the he's the analyst. He just wants to stay at the office. He's not here for the action. He's just here to figure things out out and help save lives. But the one thing that we do get to do here that we didn't really get to do in the films, which is really dive into what it is that got him to this point. And that's the thing I loved learning about him was seeing how they, you know, they obviously updated the story so mm -hmm. that it, it's he joins because of 9-11 and um, becomes a Marine, almost dies because of an experience of, you know, trying to save a kid that ends up turning on the helicopter he's in and that's where he hurts and has to learn how to walk you know for two years so you have this guy who's who's definitely got a tortured past who's trying to move past that but he's also trying to do his job well and the job doesn't necessarily help with the ptsd because it often brings back those memories and so i just i felt like john krasinski does such a good job bringing that to life and that's exactly what you need you need that main character in this show to be the guy you like but also you need the guy to be able to pull off the moral virtuousness yes. of, of of him without feeling like um like it's cheesy yeah like I, I, and 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 it's sometimes i would say it, it sometimes does kind of skirt a little bit towards that but i think that they handle it uh, with as as much tact as possible to create a character that does feel real, which is good. It's really good. Yeah, well, and and they changed his background from the books as well because he was uh, his one of his degrees was in history, actually before, right. but now it's economics. Now that was his yeah. focus of studies, which makes more sense for the time that we're living in. Because right. obviously, well, especially um, the job that he has. Yeah, because obviously, no one has learned from history. I mean, we see that evidence all the time. Yeah. So <laughs> he decided to go yeah, into I economics. Mean, you know, we keep repeating that phrase about how you're doomed to repeat it, but mm. nobody seems to listen. No. So, but but it makes more sense for the times that we're living in. And I honestly didn't really know what to expect, where the story was going to start. And so to have it start before Jack met Kathy, before he met Greer, and all of those things coming together in, in starting actually in that first episode, I thought, okay, you, you're showing me a, a slightly tweaked Jack Ryan for the modern age, and you're going to show me the backstory, and I appreciated that. It wasn't too much. It wasn't too little. Right. No, I, I agree with you. And I, What I think it does is that um, it, it's that thing where, you know, a lot of characters where you're kind of going back and retelling their story, uh, you, you're trying to, to give the audience things they haven't seen before with the character, you know? So, like, if it's Batman, you're trying to show them something, you know, like a Batman Begins, if it's Superman, a Man of Steel type of thing, where you're just trying to give the audience something they haven't experienced with the character. And here with Jack Ryan, you're definitely doing that because you're putting him at the very beginning 
before he even has that relationship, like you said, with Greer. And, you know, he's kind of really well respected. This is the one who's earning those stripes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, you know, it makes it for a really interesting story because the whole season we kind of get to see this background until we finally build and he tells the story to Kathy about what happened. So then it makes what happens later on when he, you know, saves her son it it brings that full circle of this is a guy who is trying not to be embittered by the experiences that he has and he's finding it very difficult but he is going to try to overcome that he's going to try and rise above which you know i think we just don't see enough in television these days sure don't and i liked i liked that he's giving that child an opportunity then Whereas, you know, some characters might not do that. And so, and that's what makes him that kind of, you know, we, we say it as if it's a bad thing, but I, I think it's actually a good thing. I think we need more morally virtuous characters. We need more virtue on TV. You know, we live in a virtuous society and um, I think we... We see that all around us. We see the 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 the, um, the problems with living in that, and so you know, having a character like this to remind us um, of something that important I was. And and John Krasinski does, I think, a great job at playing that character and mm. and that kind of virtue in a way that makes it attractive, and you want to be more like that character. You know, he he comes off as being he's like Superman and Captain America had a baby, right? That's like the dream, right? <laughs> Uh, I mean, for for me, so, <laughs> for me too. You know, I you know I already said it's my man crush, and I got to see his butt in the season, so I'm, I'm good. Yeah, I'm gonna so. go back and watch that episode again later. I'm just yeah. Kidding. I mean, <laughs> I, I, no, it, it, no, no shame. Um, so yeah, I think we totally agree then that, that he really takes what they're trying to do, which is a heroic character, but who also has these vulnerabilities um uh, especially because of the experience he's had it and he plays that very well um and i i liked i liked the way too that in it, with the character they dealt with his naivety mm. and kind of had him grow out of some of that throughout the season but again not lose that moral virtue that we want him to keep exactly he's the kind of guy that you know is going to ultimately make the right decision, that he is going to do the right thing mm-hmm. regardless of the personal cost. And that's, uh, again, like you said, we don't see enough of that. <laughs> you know, we just don't, no, especially no. in the CIA. <laughs> so more of that is welcome. Yeah. Well, and that's a thing that we see, you know, I think uh, jumping to... Uh, James Greer's character, that's something that we see juxtaposed against John Krasinski's character, a guy who's had a very long career with the CIA, who has been in the trenches, who has had to learn the times where it is a necessity to bend the rules um, or, you know, break the conventional rules to get what needs to be done, you know? And I think that's the lesson that Jack Ryan has to learn here Mm -hmm. from Greer, but also, you know, there's this nice reciprocal nature between them where they're both kind of learning something about themselves from each other because, you know, specifically when Greer looks at Krasinski's John Ryan, Jack Ryan, he sees a mirror of his younger self. Um, He sees that person he used to be that, that kind of, uh, hope that he used to have and i think you know throughout the season they both rub off on each other in ways that are important ryan learns a little bit of uh i I don't want to say cynicism but i think he he learns a little bit of um, maturity in the role uh in the in the cia and what it takes to do this job um and i think you know greer seems to to find a little bit of a piece of hope again to kind of revive his spirit in some ways which is really cool it is i i wasn't sure what to expect uh with the greer relationship and i like that he comes into the story as someone who's basically being punished by this posting yeah and so somebody who's been beaten down yeah so he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder from that and his first encounter with almost 
uh, hitting Jack on his bicycle did not that help. Was great. That was so great because I saw that and I thought, uh oh, I bet that's Greer. Yep. <laughs> and yep. sure enough, sure enough. And, uh, you know, having had James Earl Jones play the role in the movies, it's, it's hard to step out of that mm-hmm. shadow. Yeah, and it is true. But I I appreciated the performance and I appreciated this younger Greer and this more disillusioned Greer and getting to see how they interacted with each other and grew, like you said. So I I have no qualms with Greer in this in this characterization. Right. I think that they really did a great job with him as well. Well, and I think, you know, they they obviously give him um, you know, the religious faith of being a Muslim. And I think this is the place uh, in the show where, you know, they they're the show is definitely trying to say overarching theme of that. You know, we can't judge people by labels. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it works best with Greer's character. Um, and it comes across as the, the most sincere version of that. Um, and, and the one that's not trying to hit you over the head. Yeah. Um, which is great. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, Wendell Pierce does such a good job of portraying this character, like you said, who's who's not the one that, you know, we've seen before in the films, James Earl Jones. Uh, this is a guy who, yeah, has kind of been beaten down by the job. And um, he the moral compromises maybe that he's made in places have had a real impact on his soul. And, you know, this this whole season is kind of about him finding a way to uh, find some redemption, which, you know, I I always love a good redemption story. And I think this one, again, it's these two main characters of Ryan and Greer who allow each other to kind of find um, more equal footing for their own personal character and, and, and what it takes to do this job and to do it really well. So I, I thought the the writing there to me, it and what they're trying to do, I think it works. Yeah, I do too. And it's it's an interesting journey, especially with you think, okay, Greer's already got a chip on his shoulder. He's already had one bad interaction with Jack before even knowing that you know he they were going to be working together. He could have just you know been one of those bosses that's just like I'm just here because I have to be. But no, he still took his job seriously. And when Jack came to him with something that was actionable, he listened, you know, and he wasn't just judgmental. It was like, I don't care about any of this. You don't have anything. No, he he was backing Jack because he knew that there was something there because he wasn't just going through the motions. So even in a posting that he didn't ask for and didn't want, he still was going to do his job to the best of his ability. So we have our uh, next, I guess, main character in the show, which is Kathy, um, the the one who will become Jack's wife, uh, and she's played by Abby Cornish. And you know, I haven't seen Abby Cornish. We were talking even before we recorded that I'm not sure I've seen her anything since Tristan is old. I think back in the early 2000s, uh, and so. Uh, or maybe even before that, it could have been in the 90s. It, I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen her anything. And for the most part, I thought I felt like they did a good job with her character. I think she did a good job with the character, giving her some humanity in life. Um, I obviously liked, uh, I loved the moment where the CIA is talking to her. Yes. And then Jack walks in and it's going to be that, OS moment for both of them mm-hmm. as they realize, oh, wait, you didn't do what you, uh, why are you here? You know, that whole thing. My wife and I were actually laughing at that point, even though it's not a funny scene. Yeah. It is funny because of the way they're about to meet each other truly. And I just, I liked, what I liked was the way that they, I mean, it felt mostly realistic, their relationship and mm-hmm. the way it was played, the frustrations that they have. Um, and I, I liked what, um, they were both able to do for each other, you know, in, in the the storyline. I, I felt like they played off each other well, too. Yes, I agree. Um, that that fight that she and Jack had after that meeting at the CIA, um, I was just like, girl, you told him he was a distraction. Why are you getting all up in his grill? And then I realized, oh, wait, she likes him. He's more than just a distraction or she wouldn't be so upset. So, and of course I knew they were eventually going to work it out, but I just thought that was really interesting because I thought she's, 
She was the one who told him, this is a nice distraction. We're just keeping it casual mm-hmm. and then gets mad about this thing that yeah, he couldn't tell her. we're just keeping it cash, you know? So, <laughs> and I was just like, uh-uh. And then I realized, oh, wait, wait, I know what's going on here. Yeah, my wife kind of got a little angry at her. She was like, I was a little angry. Being so, yeah, why were you so mad at him? Like, it's not like it's his fault. He worked for the CIA. What's he supposed to tell you? You know, like, yeah. he can't tell you anything. So... I, I felt like it was what what I loved about that, obviously, and it's it's just it's part of the storyline and it makes it work. But the idea that she knows now because she's kind of been brought in on his world and she finds out in a way where it's okay for her to know then. And so then I, I also love when they have their dinner together and she's like, How can I be mad at you when I know you're out there saving the world? Like it, it's that it's kind of that superhero thing where like, oh, the girlfriend learns that he's the superhero and then she's like, Go get him, you know, uh when the call comes. And so No, I thought, um, yeah, it was it was it was enjoyable. She was good and, and I'm kind of excited to see their relationship grow. Obviously, um Star Trek connection because originally in The Hunter for October his wife is played by the great Gates McFadden. Yes, I uh, thought Dr. of that. Crusher, <laughs> you know. So um which I always loved uh in that film, that small little role that she got. So, yeah, she was good. I I hope that because now with the second season that she knows it it'll it'll give them a little bit more to do but you know the other thing i was thinking of is that if you're in the military or in something like this you you know you need a person to come home to who who will be supportive mm-hmm. and will understand and it is very important for that you know so uh Having, you know, my wife was in the military. She's not anymore now. Um, she's she's out now. But, you know, it's a it's hugely important to have, um, you know, supportive base at home to come home to um, for what those people do. And I think she got just obviously a little bit of a taste of what Jack really gets up to now mm. and, because she was a part of it. And so I appreciate that. I, I thought that was good writing for them to have that opportunity for her to know a little bit more depth, even if she'll never fully know the story. So, Yeah, well, and I think that she's okay with that because I'm sure that there are things about her own work that she can't talk about as well. Yeah, that's probably true. And so, you know, she can understand from that point of view. Maybe her work isn't dangerous in the same way, but considering her work with super infectious horrible diseases like Ebola and stuff like that yeah there is a danger to what she does but it's important to her and she's going to keep doing it and you know Jack's not going to stop her even if he's become more than a distraction (laughs) he has no intention of you know turning her from that because she's good at what she does and he's good at what he does and so there's that mutual respect now because they know what each other really does yeah no, and I think that's a that's a good thought uh, that I hadn't necessarily thought of, which is, you know, um, that you're both in these occupations which are so important to helping save the world in totally different ways. Um, and, you know, you wouldn't want to take the that person away from that work, even if it could potentially be dangerous, honestly, for both of them. You know, mm-hmm. she works with infectious diseases, so anything can happen. Um I was really interested in exactly how they would take the the Suleiman character, uh, and you know he is the villain for the season, and you know I thought it was fascinating to see because obviously he's he is juxtaposed with somebody like Greer, and you know some other Muslims that we meet in the series where you know this is not what they do they're they're not using their faith as a way to radicalize people and um i i thought it was it was done well um because i really enjoyed how they told us the backstory of him becoming radicalized in prison and you see the difference like he drags his brother into this like he and and it's it it makes it such a it makes it a sad story to see happen because he wasn't like this before, but he goes to prison to save his brother from going to prison. And 
ends up this way in prison, and then it completely changes his life and his perspective. Uh, and of course, he becomes a terrorist. You know, who's willing to you know have people strap bombs to themselves to kill people and and all of this horrible stuff. So I, I felt like the show did a a pretty good job of trying to show obviously that this is not all people of this faith um you know so i i don't know yeah i i i I, what i think it did is that it it gave us the opportunity to get inside the head of this character a little bit so it wasn't just he's just the bad guy we understand how it happens but then he still makes all of these awful, horrible decisions that, you know, lead to this. And so it's like, it's nice to to get that fuller understanding so we're not just demonizing people. I agree. I thought that they were very good at humanizing the character. Because they show all of these heartbreaking moments from his life that build up and build up and build up until the final moment that changes everything when he goes to jail in place of his brother for basically having a concealed weapon that he shouldn't have had. And you see the racism throughout his entire life. Uh, He's obviously very intelligent. He goes into that job interview with a financial institution and starts talking about how digital banking is the wave of the future, and they shut him down immediately and won't even let him finish his sentences And I'm pretty sure they didn't treat all of the white applicants that way as well. And basically, there were so many people judging by appearance, by skin color, by assumptions. And there's far too much of that that goes on in this world. And yes, uh, you can still choose your behavior. You can still choose your behavior. And he chose poorly, unfortunately. But he did not start out as an evil man. He did not start out as a bad man. Nobody starts evil. They learn that through experiences in their life and through influences of other people and the choices that they make. And so it's actually heartbreaking to me because I thought, oh, you could have been so much more. You could have been so much more. And in the end, you're going to pay for this with your life. Was it worth it? Because you failed and you lost your life. And it's just, it makes me sad because I didn't hate the character. I felt sympathy for him more than anything else. And also just a deep sadness because he just, he just never really was given the chances that he needed. You know, I I felt like one of the things that they did a good job of was one, I, I, you know, portraying um, some of the differences in other countries and their, you know, immigration systems. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the the show did a good job of kind of pinpointing exactly why we try to do immigration the way we do in the States, which is because we want people to come here and become part of our culture, you know, and we want to accept them into that culture and, 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 and um, make them a part. Whereas, you know, them being in France, they were just looked down on as second class citizens basically the whole time and never really given the opportunity to become quote unquote French because nobody there would give them that opportunity, you know, whereas, you know, growing up in Texas, you know, (laughs) in a place that's full of, of people from all across the world and from, you know, like South America and stuff, you know, having that, those people come and, and, and my, my, Great grandparents are from Italy, for gosh sakes, you know. So, like the whole, I I wouldn't be here today without that, and so, um, and that whole opportunity to become part of something greater because we accept you for coming here is such a huge thing, and that doesn't happen for him mm-hmm. um, and his brother, and so they are not given those opportunities, and that's where the radicalization takes over, and gives him an answer to something to which he couldn't answer. And um, I think it's the danger of, of um, it, it just shows you the danger of mistreating people. If you mistreat people long enough, they're going to turn to something that gives them an answer. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you have people stew in an anger long enough, they're going to turn to something. And what's interesting is he doesn't turn to anger. He turns to what he, 
thinks is giving him peace, but that peace that he gets personally is a peace that urges him then to, you know, murder other people. So it's like, yeah. it, there's a real oxymoron to that as well. Yeah, well, when they're, you know, he's talking about peace be with you and and all these things, and they're firing their guns into the sky. I'm just like, okay, um, do you not understand the hypocrisy of this? But he really doesn't. He really honestly doesn't. He thinks he's the hero of his own story. So, yeah, it's just... Um, yeah, it's and I think it's uh, I, it's well done in the, in, the, in the way that they do this part of the story, you know, and again, it's juxtaposed against somebody like uh, Greer, um, who does find a peace from this faith that does not lead him to violence and so you know it's 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 good it's it's really good um you know we don't spend a lot of time with her but i was really sad when marie jose died Mm. um i loved her character her whole banter with john krasinski's ryan was fantastic she she is a chameleon that woman she is just a chameleon she can become anything, anyone. And that is an amazing talent because I had no idea until I was looking at like the cast list on IMDb and I'm like, what the what? She's yeah. just that good. I did the same thing. Yeah. Well, and her, I mean, the back and forth where, you know, she's talking about, oh, you like this girl, you know, and then then she's like, oh, did you really text her that? I mean, because uh, I wonder how she'll take it. You know, American women aren't necessarily as forward as, you know, and I just, <laughs> the whole back and forth, and I was like, yeah, that's probably true. I'm, I'm sure French women are, are, are a lot more, you know, they have a lot more boldness to them and kind of gumption in, a, in that way. I just, the whole thing was so fantastic, and they just had a great chemistry, and, and to... obviously I think it actually serves the story well to have her die because it makes it more realistic. Mm -hmm. You know, people get shot in the gut. They don't tend to survive unless they get immediate attention, you know? So, but I, she was just this wonderful side character that I absolutely kind of adored in the show. And I just, when she died, I was like, dang it. I really enjoyed her character. Yeah. And I, I had a feeling the moment she got shot, I'm like, uh, She's not coming back from that. And, you know, she even tells him to go and mm-hmm. chase after the brother whose name escapes me for the moment. I feel so terrible right now for forgetting that. And, you know, Jack clearly wants to get her help first, but he goes. And then when he gets back and she's dead, it's just uh, the look in his eyes and on his face. is just uh, right there with you, buddy. It's- heartbreaking it really is it just i'm just like oh i knew it was gonna happen but i wanted to be wrong Mm -hmm. so on top of that seeing timothy hutton as singer the uh the deputy director of operations i was like timothy hutton (laughs) right man i loved him in beautiful girls he was so he's like and i haven't seen him in ages honestly and and i was like dang man we're all getting old aren't we like <laughs> um but he was very good in that role of, of being the guy who you know he's he's playing the politics of the role he's not a bad guy or anything but he is definitely kind of an opportunist oh, when it comes to things uh and i just felt like they really picked somebody who who he took that role and he ran with it the the bit that he had and it, I, I felt like um, it was just good casting. They cast somebody who could play that very convincingly. And, you know, you're never quite sure if you want to be on his side or not, which is nice. You know, I like that going into the second season that we're still not quite sure if Singer is going to be somebody that's good for Jack to know or not so good for Jack to know. So that that, that creates a nice kind of workplace environment story that would I think we'll probably play in more in the second season. I did appreciate that he had a male assistant. I'm like, yeah, let's see a man at the desk. Thank you. <laughs> so, but... hey, you know, um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that being the uh, the assistant um, in in a high level position like that, you got to have some serious clearance to be able to do that. So, you know. Whoever you are, that's not necessarily a bad job to have. No, you know, it isn't. I being the assistant. 
Yeah, I spent the first scene with Timothy Hutton in it. Uh, I spent the first few minutes of that going, I know who that is. Why don't I know? I know who that is. <laughs> but, and so I had to look it up and I just like, oh my, Timothy Hutton, how could I not remember? That's the... But I think that that is a credit to him because he was just singer. Mm-hmm. He was just so yeah. good at that, that I wasn't thinking about, oh, what a great job Timothy Hut- Hutton is doing. It was just about, this is a great performance. And he just, when when an actor can make me forget who he is in a role, then they have done their job. So when I'm thinking about that character and not the actor, then they are doing the best job. And that's what Timothy Hutton did. It's It's interesting because a few months ago, I just randomly rewatched beautiful girls Ooh. with him in it and i was like because i've i've loved that movie ever since um i saw it back in the day and um you know he plays opposite young natalie portman in it who gives one of her best performances ever actually in that film so yeah it, it's but obviously he's it was like 20 years ago so um it was interesting to see him back in this role and yeah great casting job yeah and uh yeah he i i really appreciated it he he straddled that line of can we trust him so well that we still don't know really i think yes he is out to protect the us government but i also think he is out to protect himself more than anything else and so if he can throw someone under the bus my guess is that he probably will but oh yeah, uh, yeah. But I don't think that he will do it out of malice. Uh, he will do it for <laughs> the good of himself and his job. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it's he's. I look forward to seeing more of him. What did you think? You know, so the main storyline of this first season, we follow Jack as he figures out what's going on from all of these bank transfers, and we figure out that it's this, you know, rising Islamic terrorist threat from Suleiman, this guy that, you know, to everybody else is a ghost, but he's been able to find because of his background in finance and, and knowing how these things work. And, um, you know, for for the main storyline of the show, that's it, as is, is we're trying to, you know, follow the breadcrumbs that are being left by these characters. And then, of course, they do this bit with flashbacks so you get to see different parts of different characters' lives to kind of fill in the pieces. How did you feel like that uh, worked throughout the 10 episodes that we got? I feel like for the most part it worked. Um, I I like that they didn't glamorize the whole money aspect thing of it because sometimes, I mean, this sort of thing shouldn't necessarily be glamorized. There are people hard at work every day doing these actual jobs in real life, and they never get any kind of recognition or credit for anything that they do because it's always some showboater that ends up taking the credit and supposedly getting the job done. But where would they have been without all these analysts? Analysts are the unsung hero of the government. All of them. Here's to analysts. So having somebody at, you know, start this whole situation by that, by what seems like it's a very small and inconsequential thing, is very interesting for me. Because I like all of the little twists and turns it takes following this money and what it leads to. So maybe some people were bored by it. If that's the case, you know, then that's just, you know, everybody has their own opinion. But I actually found it interesting and more intricate than, say, Oh, there was a terrorist attack, and now we know it's this guy, and let's go get him. So, yeah, I agree with you. I, what I enjoyed about the the show is, in in some ways, they set it up similar to you know the the setup we get in Hunt for October, yeah. where it is the analyst who's who's figuring out what seems to be impossible but is actually happening, and he's the one who figures it all out, and he's kind of ahead of the game. Uh, and you know that that's part of it. That's what makes Jack Ryan Jack Ryan. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like that that really worked. And I, th- I I I thought that for the most part they did a great job of if they showed you something that it it was meant to be important later on. You yes. know, if it was a flashback or something like that. So all those things fit together. So for the main storyline, I, I felt like it 
flowed very well. Uh, strangely, there is a side story going on that absolutely has nothing to do with what's happening with Jack Ryan, which I didn't understand why we were following it. it In has, fact, if you has, cut out that... has tiny, tiny little bit. Has one tiny so, little connection. Okay, okay <laughs> I must have just missed it. So what was it? Because I was flabbergasted that we were spending all this time with this character that I couldn't care less about. Well, uh, gosh, and see, I'm forgetting names again, and I really hate that. But if it were not for him actually using the drone to bomb that guy that was after uh, the wife, oh my gosh. I should have had a list of all the names. Oh, was he going after? Was he going? He after was about wife? to freaking rape her in the street oh, while well, her daughters okay, were yes, watching, yes, and yes, he disobeyed yes, orders right. that, and yep. dropped the bomb. There's that one. Yep, that is yep. the only connection. That is the yep. only connection. So yeah. the rest of it is just like, yeah. And I felt okay. So look, I, I understand what they're trying to do with this story. It's a guy he he works, you know, as a drone pilot for the army, and you know he wants to be he he's struggling with the morality of that. I just feel like the storyline in it is so badly written. Agree. It. And then what happens with the people from the bar, which is the most unnecessary scene ever, <sighs> makes, I mean, I get what, again, I get what they're going for, but the execution of it is just awful. And, you know, I also get what they're going for when he goes, you know, over there and he talks to the, the father of the man that he killed before he, you know, stops the guy from raping Suleiman's wife. And, you know, the, which turns out it was not somebody who was on the list to be killed. And mm. it, it was an accident, um, you know, misidentification. I get all of what they're trying to do, but it's just so... Shoehorned in? <laughs> yeah, and it is. It's shoehorned in. In fact, the only time that you really needed to see that guy... And I get that they're trying to rationalize that he would go against orders at that moment to you do know? the right thing yeah exactly but it just it doesn't work and and again there is a scene with him and a couple of people that he meets at the uh, casino and it is the most outrageous and ridiculously paced there there's it was it was gross not, is what it it's was not good no it's not good no. So, yeah. Yeah, it was it was pointless and it was gross and I didn't like it at all. No, I I I looked at my wife and I I was literally like what the heck is going on and why are we watching this? And 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 the problem was is that what they're trying to do needs to be crafted so much better. It needs much more subtlety to it. It needs much more nuance to it and you're just kind of doing the baseline of this story with him where you're trying to show his his moral struggle of what he's doing and, and the fact that it's making him possibly uh, somewhat self-destructive mm. and everything but I feel like you can do that so much better than the way they chose to it just uh, yeah they, the way they chose to do it was just weird and gross and strange and I didn't get it yeah, um, and it needed to just be done better. So, or just not done at all. Maybe you still have yeah, the casino yep, thing I where agree, yeah. he can't lose the money. What he's what is now oh, blood yeah, money yep, to him, yep. and mm -hmm. and then just falls into a depression and keeps trying to get rid of the money and can't, and then decides to go to right. wherever they yep. were. Yep, you could have done. Yep, you could have done it that way. You didn't need the weird kinky stuff, and it was no, it was just, no, bleh. not at all. No, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Last but not least, I would say the thing that really struck me about this show and, and the main theme of it, I felt like is what they were trying so hard to do. And in some places they are more successful than others. And that is that whole idea of, you know, leave the labels at home and seeing each, each person as a human being. 
And I feel like that what you really see here is Jack's whole mission is to always see people as human beings first. And therefore he trusts people more than maybe others do. And I really appreciated that about this show because I think it is an important message to the entire world right now is that we have got to stop seeing people um, for just a label and as a human being first. And that lack of compassion and humanity is what is destroying our our world mm. uh, and destroying humanity. And so I just, I feel like they did a really good job of that. And I, I appreciate them. Um, it's, it's a little bit ham-fisted sometimes, mm-hmm. but for the most part, I think it works. Yeah, I, I think that you are correct in that because it, it could have been more ham-fisted, uh, and there were times where it kind of was, but I feel like they they started off well in that with showing Suleiman's history, you know, as a kid, uh, being his mother being killed and his brother nearly dying from a bombing that took place near them. That was mm-hmm. apparently perpetrated well no it was perpetrated that was an actual event that happened in u.s history uh by american planes an american you know force so it starts there because you think you, you know people are like yeah well we know that happens but no watch it happen see it portrayed in all of its ugliness and these two children that now are with completely without family and that were nearly killed themselves and and all of these things that happened because of that all of these all of this domino effect from that one event that has followed them throughout their lives and that's that's the thing it's like no matter no matter what a person has done or what somebody says we are all in this together we are all part of the human race it doesn't matter what religion we are, what sexuality we are, what gender we identify as, what uh, political background we have, skin color. None of that matters because you take all of that away and we're all the same under our skin. And that is why Jack was such a compelling character in this because was he flawed? Yes, he was flawed. He was still dealing with the trauma of the helicopter accident. And frankly, knowing what I know of PTSD and having had experienced PTSD, that is going to follow him the rest of his life. You're never going to completely be rid of that. But that didn't make him an, an angry person. It didn't make him want to not help. Whenever he sees the chance to help, he helps. And getting Hanin and the daughters out of there, because I looked up her name so I can say Hanin, and... You know, that was, yes, he needed the information, but he also was compassionate. He wanted them to be safe. That was also still his priority. And it was tearing him apart to try and get that information from her. And it was really hard for him to say, if you don't tell me something, then you're going to get sent back. And he was very smart not to make her promises because he knew he wasn't in charge of fulfilling promises. And that level of compassion may not have been shown by anybody else in the same situation, which is why I love Jack. But yeah, just people are still people. We're all people. And let's try connecting on a level of, hey, we're people first and pushing away all of those other trappings and just communicating and listening to each other. It's funny that the two shows that we've done on the 602 club recently have had much the same theme and you know man in the high castle season two they literally spill this out mm-hmm. for you in in a quote um uh, from abinson um and it's it's less it comes across even less ham-fisted which is strange because they're it's just literally straight up told to you where he says you know um i got to know a woman that would bet on the best of us who would bet on people, no matter what the world said, who they were, or who they should be. A woman that would do anything 
for a sick boy, a Nazi boy even, maybe she would believe he deserved a chance, as slim as it might be, to live a valuable life. Millions of people will live because of the choice you made, the goodness in you, Juliana. One selfless act of love and hope. And like, that's what we see in this show. Again, it's it's not quite as well done, but we do see Jack make that decision to fight against cynicism and embrace the fact that each person deserves the chance to be different. And this boy, you know, Hanin's son deserves the chance to not turn into his father. And if he does, then Jack will hopefully, and people like him will be there to stop him. But he still has, he he still should have the chance. And so, you know, having a, a show remind us that we deserve a chance. We deserve the opportunity to be better. And everybody deserves that opportunity. And the way to do that is to not see people through the label of, I mean, you know, whatever, Islamic terrorist, Nazi, whatever. We need to make sure that we see people as people first. And yes, your actions speak louder than words. And what we see in this show is the actions that, that certain people take are consistently evil. And therefore, we call them evil because they ally themselves with the, the ways of those that do evil. And that's, that's their choice. And so, you know, I, I think that's the thing that um, uh, the only thing that we can do then as humans is to judge people by their actions. And so I appreciate um, that this, uh, this series um, was a good start, I think. Um, so I'm kind of interested to see what you thought of it, maybe ratings-wise, uh, what what you would put it at, maybe on a scale of 1 to 10, so we have a kind of a room to <laughs> to breathe. For some reason, I knew you were going to say 1 to 10, and so I was thinking in my mind, how many am I going to give this out of 10? Um, it was not by any means perfect, but I think that this is the most faithful rebooting of a character that we've had so far. Uh, honestly, Alec Baldwin was the screen on screen standard because he had that perfect mixture. And I feel that John Krasinski does too. He totally worked for me. I was actually discussing this with my boss today and he said that he wasn't feeling it. He wasn't feeling John Krasinski as Jack Ryan. And I'm like, what? But he's never read the books either, so he doesn't have that background the way that I do, but even so. So I feel like I would give this, I'm going to give this 7 out of 10 Samir's Return to Hanin. Yeah, you know, I think that you are really on to something. I, I, I think that the character does feel closer to what we got, say, in Hunt for October, and, you know, uh, it's nice to have jack back like that and mm-hmm. so i'm excited to see where they go um i do think that the season is a little bit uneven yes um i think it's worth watching but i do think that there's an unevenness that uh is unfortunate and it didn't have to be there part of that is that secondary story which uh either could have been cut down way farther or just rewritten uh completely or just to not there. make yeah, to just make it to make it better. I mean, I I really do. I think you could have made it better. Yeah, you could made it much better. Um, but it's you know, hopefully they will learn their, you know, lesson and next season it will be better. So um, yeah. So far though, uh, you know, I am excited to see the show back. You know, uh, I read that uh, next season, the um, the show seems to be going to South America next year. So that should be interesting. Ooh. So excited. Um, and uh, I can't wait to, to, you know, have these characters back. So, um, but, you know, uh, really appreciate getting the chance to talk about this. I want to say a huge thank you to our social producers here, the Patreon, Ken Tripp, Davis Grayson, and Daniel Noah, who uh, they support the network through Patreon. The massive network. There's no way we can do this without them. And their associate producers here through Patreon, they've chosen this show to support. And I really appreciate all of them doing that. It means so much to me that they have decided that this is the show they wanted to support. And so 
Uh, go over to patreon.com slash trek.fm and you can see how you can be part of our team. Each and every week, uh, we need your help uh, to make sure that all of these shows come to you. So every month, you can give a little bit over at patreon.com slash trek.fm to make sure that happens. We have some great contribution levels too with some extra perks that come. But honestly... Every little bit helps. So go to patreon.com slash trek.fm and become part of the team. Now, Brandy, I love having you back. I'm so glad we got a chance to talk about this one. Yes. But where can people find you if they want to talk to you about uh, maybe Jack Ryan or anything else that's going on? Well, you can always find me hanging around in the Babel Conference, uh, which, of course, as you said, is the Trek FM listeners group on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter at Brandywine12. Brandy is spelled with an I, and 12 is the number. You can also on the Trek FM network hear me on Warp 5, which is the dedicated Enterprise podcast. And uh, in just a day, I think after this releases, uh, Live from the Edge will be back to cover those Discovery shorts that are starting on Thursday, October 4th. So if you want to hop on by the Trek FM YouTube channel on Thursday the 4th at around... 9 and 10 p.m. Eastern or 6, no, 7 p.m. Pacific time zones, then uh, you can come and watch us live. So I'm really excited about that. It's going to be good to be talking with Bruce again. I also do a podcast with my wonderful husband, Dave, called the Dark Corner Podcast, where we talk about uh, things and stuff that we like and do it kind of from a little bit of a darker point of view. And there are occasional colorful metaphors. So just remember that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can find me over on Twitter at MattRushing02, uh, and then I'm on Instagram under the same name. I'm here on the network doing The Orb with Chris Jones talking about uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. I'm over on the Nerd Party Network doing the Owl Post Show with Drea Kaufman as we talk about Harry Potter each and every week. We're going through one chapter at a time throughout that series. And then I'm doing Aggressive Negotiations with John Mills as we talk about Star Wars each and every week, which is just an absolute blast to be able to get to do. So uh, check out both of those shows. And then last but not least, doing Cinema Stories with my good friend Courtney as we talk about films through the lens of faith. But thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now, you hear? Thank you.